0: Welcome back, mental health lovers, to another episode of Your Mind Matters 2. It's been a hell of a break, y'all, and I am so excited to be back sharing my little nugget of insight regarding mental health issues, which honestly, I hope, works to normalize these topics and, you know, like, helps at least someone out there to feel um, validated or, you know, give them insight as to what you know similar situations may be you know applying to them i guess can i just say i am so happy that that i'm podcasting again uh doing these episodes for me feels like my own form of meditation and while this break has has allowed me to you know recuperate and pause and process there's really nothing quite like putting my thoughts and feelings on paper and sharing them with you so i'm very very grateful for each and every one of you that takes the time to listen, to share and to give me feedback um, about this podcast. I'm really, you know, honestly, it warms my heart and gives me so much joy to know that you're listening and you keep you keep listening and, and letting me know what you think. That's really just awesome. I can't begin to say enough how much it means to me that you take your time to listen. So if you're listening to me right now. From the bottom of my heart, I love you very much and I'm very, very grateful for your time. Um, Speaking of time, it's a new year, right? Um, It's crazy because it's like halfway through the new year. So it feels weird to just like say Happy New Year. But since I haven't properly had a podcast this year, um, yeah, I guess Happy New Year. Um, I think it's crazy. I find myself wondering a lot about the concept of time and how time just keeps going around and around and around and you know in this span of time since since I last put out an episode uh, a lot of things have happened you know a lot of things have changed babies grow up people grow apart strangers come together individuals blossom and things that even make sense start making sense now you know change is literally happening everywhere and uh, no matter how small things and people constantly change and and you know, although it might not feel like it sometimes, especially when you're eager to get something done or you keep waiting for something to happen, the truth is that even when you can't see it, even in that moment of waiting, something is changing, you know, whether you see it or not. So I think that's um, that deserves celebration and that deserves to be acknowledged. So. You know, the fact that nothing is constant, I think is extremely beautiful and and so very necessary. So I'm grateful for the new year. So allow me to say, even though it's way halfway through, Happy New Year, guys. You know, happy, happy New Year. I do generally hope that whatever changes you're experiencing this year makes you laugh louder and love deeper i hope it makes you heal i hope it makes you learn and you know from the bottom of my heart i do hope this year is the year you treat your mental health even more you know kindly than last year so for those of you that have listened to my podcast before you know that this is not a medical podcast I'm definitely not here to tell you the secrets to improve your life or make your life better. Nope, nope, no, sir. That's not why. Um that's definitely not what I'm doing here. I am in the habit of giving my insight and my thoughts based on my very own personal experience on issues relating to mental health. So I do this because this is my way to sort of make sense of the messy little world I'm in. And I do this because I genuinely believe that more and more of us need to be having these conversations. So um, it is genuine. It is a genuine hope of mine that by listening to this podcast, then it's it starts these conversations around your spaces and around your circles, but also within your heart, you know, within yourself, for you to start asking certain questions or acknowledging certain certain patterns that that you think may be contributing or exacerbating mental your mental health issues so um yeah i think that's really mainly why i do this i believe only by normalizing conversations on mental health issues can we really actually um have a safe space to talk about our mental health and and you know take care of our mental health which is really important by the way So, if this is your first time here, welcome! Yay! Uh, If it's not and you've been here before, welcome back. Thank you so much for coming back. Um, I just want to preface by saying there is no expert here. I don't claim to know it all and definitely my way is not the only way to deal with your mental health issues. I am just a girl who wants to make sense of her own struggles and maybe hopefully help others do the same with theirs. So if the things I talk about resonate with you, I hope you reach out and we can connect on that and talk about that some more. If you or someone you know is struggling with the same things or shares the experiences I do or would, you know, if you think they would benefit from such content, then please do share my podcast and follow me on social media and let's have a connection of, of some sort, all right? And, um, yeah, if you like what you hear or you want to um, you wanna learn more or you want to be a part of the podcast as well because, you know, I'm going to be doing interviews very soon, by the way. I'm going to be doing interviews. I just got to get my head sorted. Um, yeah, so if you want to be a part of, of the podcast and you want to talk, you know and, and have these conversations here if you have a message you want to send to me or, or an opinion or a comment whatever really honestly I'm just looking to connect with people who think that um, you know who feel that the things I talk about resonate with them so anything you want to talk about anything you want to, you want to um, voice out or you have a struggle with you know reach out and uh, let's talk about that uh but before we do that and uh i guess i should introduce today's topic um i'm going to be talking about um doing hard things so today's episode is called we can do hard things and um yeah no it's not glennon doyle i wish um but yeah it's um you're gonna find out you know you don't go anywhere i'm just gonna come right back and i'm gonna be talking about how we can do hard things on your mind matters too all right thanks You ever feel like you give incredible advice? You know, when someone comes to you and asks for a piece of advice, you are always on point. But you often have a time taking that same advice. Um, I don't know if if any. Um, I don't know if you've ever felt that, but I feel that on a daily. I feel that. Always, in fact, uh, that I can give good advice, but have a hard time taking it myself. Uh, So that's my that's, you know, that's one of my hard things that I almost always cannot take my own advice. So this is because I realized after a lot of introspection, a lot of questioning and and a lot of just research and, and talking to the right people and reading the right books, that is. Um, I realized that this is because for the longest time, I felt myself unworthy of the kindness and the compassion I felt I needed to give others. So it was okay for me to give some kind advice to someone else who needs it. But oftentimes I have a hard time hearing the same advice um, when I have to tell it to myself. And you know the thing that I'm realizing is that when you give meaningful and honest advice to someone, it's generally because you care for their well-being, right? So I've always liked to advise people because um, in some ways and I, I don't know um, I don't know how, but in some ways, even when I did not know the right words of how to help them, I had a way, I would have a way to kind of know what kind of advice to give. And I always got a rush, you know. It was always so you know, it always feels interesting when someone comes to me and asks, you know, like shares their their experiences or something they struggle with, and then I just know what to say. And sometimes um, it's I say the right things, you know, and they tell me, you know, I needed to hear that. So for me, that act of giving advice was always a big validation. It was, you know, and I, I don't know, maybe this is not the right thing to say. Maybe it's not, um, it's not pretty. But yeah, it was. It's always been validation for me, which is why I think I always. Uh, gave uh, I've always given advice so freely and open. I've I've yearned to give advice so freely and openly, um, but have had a hard time taking it. So I've come to recognize this great tendency to give advice. Uh, it obviously stems from my lack of control over uh, my own struggles. You know because I cannot fix my own stuff. I give advice to someone else. um, In some ways, I feel like I'm fixing their stuff for them. So, yeah, I know it's a terrible thing. But, yeah, I'm great at advising people. I'm great at advising people. But I'm terrible at taking my own advice. So, um, what I'm learning right now uh, is that I have to listen to my own advice. I have to pause take a moment and actually listen to my own advice so that is one amongst many reasons why I took a long time to return to podcasting because I've been trying to to take my own advice which is prioritizing my mental health I keep telling this to people you know your mental health is important prioritize it it's that yada. yada. but you know I I oftentimes have a hard time hearing that myself so one of the things that was honestly hard and draining for me was uh, putting out these episodes and podcasting. So I had to take a time, I had to take a pause, and uh, just look at myself and look after myself. So that's what I did. And if I'm really being honest here, um, I realized during this time on my break that I've held space. For other people, even when I didn't have the emotional or mental energy to hold the same space for myself, you know, I I always say prioritizing mental health is is an act of self love, the ultimate act of self love, I think. Um, but uh, I I often pour from an empty cup when it comes to uh, to helping people. Or, or being there for them or creating spaces for them. I always do it even when I cannot handle that kind of pressure. Or that kind of... Um, um, that kind of... I don't know what the word is. It escapes me right now. But yeah, so... So yeah, this time away has really given me... Um, it, it was not easy to tell myself you need to take a step back especially when intuitively and and just inherently I've I feel the impulse to just jump into um quote-unquote savior mode so but then this time around I said no no more no more of that and so yeah I lack the energy to hold space for other people and and, and I took a step back and but examining uh, some of the ways that was was harmful for me. And I'm grateful for that, uh, for that insight because it's allowed me to put some things in perspective. Which is why I'm actually doing this episode. This is essentially why I'm talking about doing hard things. Um, so another reason, and I'm going to get into that a little bit later. But um, another reason why it's taken so long for me to publish another episode is because... Um, I've always felt I needed to be um, at a place where I was okay, relatively with my mental health. You know, when I was not spiraling, when I was not, um, when things were not so bad. I've always felt that's when I needed to put out these episodes, and a part of me felt like I needed to do that. Like I needed to have everything. You know, like I have to have my business just put together. Like I have to. I have to get my stuff sorted um, for it to be valid. Uh, uh, and, you know, the time when I took the break uh, and that long hiatus, uh, it was because I was battling a big... I was really wrestling with a big life decision and I was feeling quite lost and searching for answers. So because I felt I cannot... It didn't feel stable for me to... Um, give advice or talk about my mental health when i wasn't feeling up to it myself so i i that's another reason i wasn't i just wasn't okay for the longest time i was okay because i had this big life decision and and it was puzzling and i felt lost for a really long time but i went searching you know I, I talked to some people I you know I talked to God and and I found some of the answers I was looking for and, and you know I felt safe enough to document my experience and I'm still learning um, I don't have all the answers just yet I'm still learning but I've documented my experience and I've gained insight that I think may now be useful and I think that um, um, yeah so that's why I'm doing this right now because I feel safe now give that insight because while i may still feel uncertain and there's definitely some anxiety left residual anxiety i fear um i fear not speaking about it or not when you like when i have a real message to give or when i think uh, for some in some ways my insight um like i feel it needs to be said um yeah it doesn't matter what restlessness i have or what residual fear, residual anxiety i feel um obligated to share that so yeah that's what i want to talk about number one some hard things i struggle with and um having lived through that number two realizing that i did not have it i did not have to have it all figured out for my journey to be valid um yeah so and so i'm just gonna say this so because i think it proves a point um i just want you to know that i am for those of you that do not know this anyway i am an introverted uh, book loving taylor swift obsessed fan And I'm an avid writer. Um, So I spend most of my time playing with words because words is how I make sense of the world I'm in. I love words. That is what I'm saying. I, I just love words. And you would think because I love words so much that I would use them so well, right? And I've had people going like, "You speak so well, you write great, yada yada," and that's awesome and amazing. And I'm really grateful for that, uh, for that validation, because it's not easy, you know. When you're writing, when you're, um, there's a lot of insecurity there. So when someone validates that and goes, "That's good, that that is actually great," it feels good. It feels great. But my hardest thing, and this is something that I've realized after this break that I took is that I have a hard time using my own words to share my hard truth you know I'm gonna say that again I have a hard time using my own words to share some of my hard truths now you could ask yourself what's a hard truth simply a hard truth that that is for me a hard truth Is that thing you have a hard time admitting to or talking about? We all have them. You know, even people who find opening up easy or people who are charming or who talk or whatever. Everyone has a hard truth. And, um... It could be a myriad of things. It could be so many things, right? Whether it is you don't take criticism well, whether it is you can't honor your own boundaries or you can't stick up for yourself. We all have some things where we come up short and we find it hard to admit it to ourselves that we do come up short on those things. So I cannot, I find it hard. I struggle with sharing some of my hard truths, some of the things I struggle with. I have a hard time sharing that. And I used to think that being able to write out my feelings or my thoughts was brave. uh, But I could write out my entire life story. I could could write word by word everything that I struggle with. And that would be easier for me than looking a friend in the eye and, and explain to them why I am the way I am. I could have the same words. Literally, I could be reading the same words I wrote on a page, explaining what I struggle with. And yet, I'd still have a hard time articulating my struggles. This is because, and I know I've spoken about this before, but this is because the truth is, I struggle greatly with vulnerability and it doesn't come easy for me. And sometimes it's easier to to do that, especially if I've created a relationship with a person that I feel safe opening up to. But most times, even, even the person I feel safest to, I still struggle with opening up to them. But here's the thing, right? When something stirs you up and you cannot or for some reason you choose not to talk about it, And then one person shows up and, you know, shouts it out or says it exactly word for word what you've been thinking. I feel like so many of us will finally say yes. Thank God someone is finally saying this, you know. I bet all of us would cheer on. If someone is is articulating what we've been scared to say or is saying what we've thought of but could not, put into words it is amazing when you feel someone putting that into 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 words and you see it and you hear it and you feel it i think it's an amazing experience but even then silence is comfortable you you may have those words you may have those feelings you may have those thoughts but it is comfortable to stay silent versus speaking about it and truth and speaking and opening up and sharing that is uncomfortable and hard as hell so if you're struggling with that you're not alone because for sure I struggle with that as well for example when I tell people I'm a mental health advocate I see the way their brains work you know instantly I see the way they kind of um, group me into place. So there are those people who will think, number one, I'm a motivational speaker. And um, once they group me as, quote-unquote, motivational speaker, they decide that I um, whatever I have to say is somehow drowned in the ocean of thousand motivational mumbo-jumbo that motivational speakers are well-known for. So, you know, which I, I think you know first of huge compliment i'm not a motivational speaker but that's a huge compliment if you think that i am um but i assure you i'm not and and secondly because of the of sort of perception motivational speakers get recently especially people choose not to hear what what you're saying you know They'll be like, oh, yeah, that's just another motivational speaker. It's another person. And and they choose not to hear what you say. So even when what you say um, is valid, they dismiss it. Uh, But, yeah, if I... That's a conversation. That's like a whole other conversation. But if I had the discipline and courage to become a motivational speaker, then probably, I don't know, I'm just saying, but probably... I would not be struggling with opening up as much as I do right now. You know, so I'm definitely not a motivational speaker. The second thing that usually goes through people's minds when I tell them I'm a mental health advocate is that they think I'm crazy. Um, And then they look at me with those sad, pitiful eyes, feeling bad for me on my behalf. Or they go, oh, there is another new generation girl who... Um, has to like talk about these things and you know essentially it's a mockery and um the word escapes me right now but but it's pity it's it's really pity that comes out of them and it's usually this type of people that make it difficult for me to open up because you know like If you're not, you don't have to be a mental health advocate for you to want to hear or talk or share mental health related issues. To open up spaces to talk about mental health and having that in those spaces does not require you to be a mental health advocate. Nor does it require you to be a psychologist or, or you know, like a psychiatrist or therapist or any of that. You don't have to be any of that for you to want to create safe spaces where people can talk about mental health issues, right? And oftentimes, the things that make people do that is because, one, they've experienced mental health issues. Hence, they become a mental health advocate like me. Or two, they have not experienced mental health issues, but they have sympathy and empathy for people who do. So, they want to create spaces for those people to be able to work out their mental health struggles. So, here's the thing, right? I do not care if you cannot put yourself in my shoes. If you cannot have empathy for me, I'm okay with that. But sympathy alone is not enough to make me feel safe to open up about my struggles. And I know for a fact that this could potentially be relatable to a lot of people. So to be clear, right? To be clear, empathy means you feel what a person is feeling. If I hurt, you hurt too. If you can't hurt, then you can likely imagine what it's like to hurt the way that I do. And that sort of gives you an understanding of what I'm going through, right? That's essentially what it means to be empathetic. Sympathy means you can understand what the person is feeling. You might not be able to feel the pain that the way they do, but you understand what they feel is in fact pain. If I can't get out of bed because I am depressed, you may not feel the weight of my depression. But you can understand. You can have sympathy for the fact that I can be so weighed down by heaviness in my mind and in my heart that I can physically get out of bed. But compassion, which is another thing, compassion is when you feel empathy and or You recognize that the person is in pain. That is, you have sympathy for them. And then you do what you can to elevate the person's suffering. So, we have empathy, we have sympathy, we have compassion. So, empathy, you put yourself in their their shoes. You feel what they feel, right? You feel it so deeply. In fact, it... You become like a sponge. You suck those feelings out and it weighs you down. Sympathy, you don't necessarily have to feel what they feel. But you can recognize and understand and empathize without feeling what they feel. Compassion, which I think is better than all these two, is when you feel empathy and you feel compassion, and you actually do something to try and help that person feel better. So, if you can't have empathy for a person, just have compassion for them. And I've talked about this. I've talked about this in length. Um, Brené Brown has wrote has written so much books, so many books about compassion. You can literally write a thousand whatever journal different related books on compassion because so many writers and researchers and scientists have talked about compassion and how it is essentially the thing that saves a person's life so yeah you you should probably go read that i will um if you if you listen to past episodes i've recommended a couple books um i've read from a couple books about compassion mostly glenn and Doyle, um sorry Brandy brown so if you read through that um stuff like gifts of imperfection daring greatly um by Brené brown all of these things somehow in some way very in-depth tackle compassion so that can help you figure out how to differentiate between empathy compassion and um and sympathy but the point i was trying to make was um when i'm trying to open up and a person meets me with pity or mockery i immediately clamp up and i feel i feel difficulty opening up right so rather than meeting a person with that Um, just have compassion for them even if you cannot understand what they're going through or you can't in any way um, help them um, you can still have compassion and and, um, there's uh, this element of sympathy in there so you can have compassion and that essentially would allow them to feel safe to open up to you so when I find the strength and the words to open up about my pain and my struggles and I'm met with compassion no matter how difficult it is for me to share my truth the weight of silence is somewhat lifted and then it becomes easy for me to open up when a friend comes to me about something they're struggling with as a deeply feeling person I'm instantly empathetic and sometimes if I can I'll try to help them to the best of my ability But flip that script, right, and make me the person that feels the need to open up to a friend. And suddenly I can barely use the words that I love so deeply to even begin to describe what I feel. And, you know, again, this is really one of my hard things. So, it's not ego, it's not, maybe there's some element of fear in there. There's certainly a huge element of fear. But yeah, I have a hard time opening up about that about about my hard truths and i've always described my feelings of depression as the feeling of drowning in a glass box while everyone passes me by thinking i'm okay and for the longest time that's how i felt because when you're in a glass box and you're drowning just you know picture this you're in a glass box you're drowning and you're in the middle of like the city and people are walking by and you know they can't see you. That's how I've felt my entire life. That's how I felt when I was when I was struggling with my depression, when I was in the dumps with my mental health issues. I felt like I was in a glass box filled with water to the very brim. I was drowning and nobody could see me drown. So for the longest time, I could not tell people that I was struggling. I couldn't. There was that thing that was just keeping me silent. And so this is how I felt. It's because it feels like I'm drowning. I cannot I cannot speak, you know, and no one can see me. So now I'm learning that because of that hard thing, that's my hard thing. Because of that hard thing, I have to now learn how to start opening up. Because only by opening that glass box and letting the water come out, can I be able to actually gasp for air and say, I need help. i have had to ask myself why is it so hard for me to share my hard truths if I'm being really honest part of the reason why opening up is a hard thing for me is because I never learned how to I always believed that you had to suffer in silence and that pain was best felt inside and not outside where anyone can see feel or pick apart but that's what I'm trying to unlearn now as an adult I am a mess and sometimes my feelings are complicated and I hurt and make mistakes and hurt some more and I love deeply and I feel pain deeply and I feel freer greatly and I'm a whole beautifully and complicated mess of a person. There isn't an apology big enough that encompasses how messy I am and if there had been one, honestly, I wouldn't have expressed it. This is because all these messy things that make me who I am, all those big little things have a. I have a hard time talking about, all my struggles, these are things I have learned from constantly and things that have allowed me to truly connect with people I have come to respect and love and care for very deeply. And I can never feel sorry for that. The problem is, When people think you have it figured out, you're often put on a pedestal. And people usually think, I have it figured out because I have a hard time saying I need help. So it feels like I'm being put on a pedestal. And for as long as I'm on that pedestal, it becomes harder and harder for me to say I need help. This is because the truth is, when you are in a state where you feel you cannot show your pain, where you feel you have to suffer in silence, but at the same time you feel an inclination to carry other people's pain, then you put so much pressure on yourself to be the one that doesn't cry, to be the one whose shoulder is always available to be leaned on to be the one whose ear is always open to listen, to be the one whose soul just understands, then you ultimately forget that you need that too. So I struggle time and time again to say I need help. It starts with thinking. It starts with believing my struggles are not as big or grand as someone else's or that my pain should not be felt and that we're only meant to go through life without complaining and without seeming weak. You know, sometimes I wonder whether it is easier to be the girl that people come to for advice than the girl who people can count on to just be okay with not being okay. I have had amazing friends and an amazing family from whom I have learned all that I know, the good and the bad. But even with their support, I am still learning to accept that knowing everything and having everything figured out is a complete myth. And honestly, I've been described as confident, impenetrable, difficult, hard, smart, strong, weird, through my entire life. I don't remember ever, ever having been descri- described as struggling, mistaken wrong, hurt. Even though, in my heart of hearts, even though I wholeheartedly believe you can't have strength without feeling weak. You can't ask directions unless you're lost. You cannot heal unless you break. But still, even though I know all of this, I have never, I have never wanted to be known as weak or struggling or wrong or hurt. All I've wanted more than anything was to be known as the girl that can do hard things. I equated living in extreme pain, living in silence, hurting and isolation as strength. And I have wanted to be asked the hard questions and to be looked at as someone that can be relied on to take the hard job. I just never felt like I had a choice to be anything else. And because of this, I never allowed myself the grace to want to be anything else. But you know what? All the best people that I know of, the people that I have described as strongest people, are people who struggle with addiction, people who have suffered great trauma, yet still somehow find a way to wake up in the morning, people who have known pain and still continue to love, people who dream even after being consistently and grandly disappointed by life. These are my people, the people that I love the most in the world. And they are showing me somehow that you can be both hard and soft, pained and happy, loved and lonely. And they're showing me all the ways in which I can learn to do that too. Now, over the years, I have learned to answer some of the questions that prompted me towards this journey to mental peace. Questions such as how are you really feeling became harder and harder to answer because I struggled with being honest with myself Um, and I struggled with being honest with others when I was hurting. When I started checking in with myself to process why certain things came easy for me while I struggled with others, I realized at the root of it all was vulnerability. It is a terrifying thing to do and it is a hard thing to do. And when you have to be honest about certain truths about yourself that you don't allow most people to know, it is revealing and it strips you completely naked. It leaves you utterly vulnerable and that is a hard but such a beautiful place to be. I recognize now that to avoid being vulnerable comes from a place of codependency. I have needed to feel as the go-to person for people because I needed to feel that way to find my place in this world. I felt so incredibly unworthy of existing if I wasn't helping anyone, someone. If I wasn't the girl whose friends and family sought out for guidance for a listening ear, I did not know who else I could be. So it didn't matter that I had issues. For me, the priority was to make sure that everyone else's issues that were brought to my attention had to be fixed. People had to feel better after they spoke to me. It didn't matter what I was feeling at the time. I ate that up. That savior complex was an identity that I grew so accustomed to that I failed in my interpersonal relationship where I wasn't needed because I could not connect with people who did not need my help, you know quote-unquote, need my help. I'll say that again. The savior complex that I had was an identity that I grew so accustomed to that I failed in all my interpersonal relationship where I wasn't needed because I could not connect with people who did not need my help. Now, today... I still struggle with saying I need help. But every time I do say it, it gets easier and in some ways it feels lighter on my tongue to say it. But I'll be honest, there are still situations where, whether it's pride, ego or fear, whatever it is that keeps me from speaking up wins and I suffer for it. When this happens, I call this relapsing because I know better now. I know I need to use my words and I need to create space for myself where I can do the hard thing that my entire personality has firmly depended on not doing. I now know patterns of behavior where I feel myself taking on that savior hat and that has always happened in relationships where I feel codependent to a person. Whenever they need me, I feed off that need and I still don't know how to break through that circle, but I do know to recognize when I'm in one. What I do now is I sit down and identify all the ways I feel codependent on other people. I have to ask myself questions such as, Is this inclination to be needed coming from a place of desperation and fear? Do I feel unworthy when they don't need me? Do I feel empowered when they do? What am I doing to contribute to this codependency? Is it serving me in a healthy way? And who am I outside of that codependent circle? I have to sit down and reflect on these questions every time. And I'm going to do an episode on codependency now that I think about it. I think I need to do an episode on codependency because I think we all need it. I see codependent um, traits and circles literally everywhere i see the patterns i see the patterns of behavior i see reactions i see it everywhere and i don't have the answers to it unfortunately i don't have the answers right now and i want the answers as much as the next person so if you know something about this actually you know if you or you know someone who knows about this about codependency and how to break out of codependent circles, I'd love to have you on my podcast because I think it's so incredibly necessary to hear your input. So I don't have the answers to that. But for now, these questions, having to check in with myself where where I sense myself being codependent, where I sense myself feeling like I'm losing space of where I should be, Where I sense myself uh, ignoring my boundaries, where I sense myself feeling cornered, I need to sit down and ask myself, is this healthy? Is this serving me? Or am I still in this situation because I'm codependent on this person or on this, you know, situation, whatever it is? I have to do that consistently because I know the effects of staying in such a circle and it's not serving me well. So if you're that friend dubbed as therapist or the child that had to be the parent or the spouse that has had to be the caretaker or the hero that has had to be the savior, perhaps your hardest thing is asking for help or allowing yourself to be taken care of or taking compliments, or accepting support, or feeling loved and letting yourself be loved, staying sober, breaking a bad habit, being present, saying no, enforcing boundaries, breaking down, getting back up, whatever your hard thing is, whatever your struggle is, I have one message for you. Embrace it and learn and unlearn from it. And know that you are loved and you are worthy of love. My name is Mariam Sambaye, and thank you for listening to my podcast. Until next time, remember, your mind matters too. Hi guys, this is Mariam again. Thank you so much for listening to my episode We Can Do Hard Things. If you liked what you just heard, please subscribe to my podcast and consider leaving me a review. I would love to hear what you thought. What are some of your hard things that you struggle with and how have you dealt with them? Please reach out to me and let me know what you think. Uh also don't forget to share it, uh, to share the podcast with your friends and family and loved ones you know that's the best way to get more people listening if you're having any trouble with the link you can reach out to me and i'll be sure to sort that out for you you can connect with me through instagram at underscore your mind matters too that is at underscore your mind matters too or via my personal instagram at underscore she is mari m-a-r-i underscore so that is at underscore she is mari underscore mari is m-a-r-i or you can connect with me through facebook through the page your mind matters too all right thank you again for listening don't forget to tune in for another episode in two weeks from wherever you get your podcast from bye